Hi, this is Lea from Brussels. As the summer kicks in and the hot weather is hitting the Brussels capital, I come back to you with a new episode of Voices from Brussels to follow up on my last one, actually. Remember, I explained what the EU was planning on doing to boost its green tech industry. This time, I want to look at how the EU plans to financially support its goal. In other words, what it's ready to invest. And from a first glance, it seems the EU will not be able to put its money where its mouth is. In terms of amount, do you have a, an idea, benchmark, Terry, from the Commission to, to present? I think uh, upwards from 100 billion would be great. This was Philip Lausberg, policy analyst at the think tank European Policy Center, which is based in Brussels. I met him in March, if you remember, to discuss the European Commission proposal for a net zero industry act. I had asked him what he thought would be a reasonable amount of money to support the ambitions of the act. But first, let's maybe do a quick reminder of the package. A few months ago, the Europeans had to come up with some ideas to counter the huge amount of subsidies under the US Inflation Reduction Act, or IRA. So the Commission proposed the Net Zero Industry Act. What we now call NZR in the EU bubble must become a tool for boosting green technologies production on the EU territory thanks to various incentives. You can find all the information and the debates around it in our previous episode, the one that I mentioned with Philip Lausberg, among other experts. So we had closed that topic, saying that some money was needed to support the Net Zero Industry Act. Back then, the EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen had pointed at a potential sovereignty fund to subsidize green industrial projects all over the continent. And here we are. The final formula was finally presented on the 20th of June by the Commission. But in place of a sovereignty fund, the Commission proposed a new scheme called Strategic Technologies for Europe Platform, aka STEP. So what's in there? STEP would mainly take money out of existing funds and inject it into three types of industrial projects related to clean tech, deep tech and biotech. The Commission did announce some fresh money though, by proposing to add another 10 fresh billion euros to the package. With that and the already available funds that are redirected, STEP could mobilize both public and private investment to the tune of 160 billion euros, according to the Commission. But in the end, the 10 billion fresh money that is proposed is a far cry from the 370 billion euros of public investment distributed by the US. In February this year, the European Parliament called for an ambitious sovereignty fund in a resolution. I called the French member of the European Parliament, Valérie Ayer, who co-wrote the resolution at that time. It is way below what we must put on the table in order to really address all the challenges of our autonomous strategy. In the case of the Net Zero Industry Act initiative that only concerns the green industry, the European Commission itself had announced that at least 16 billion euros of public funds were needed to support this initiative. However, it is now proposing a fund of around 10 billion euros, which is less than the amount that it has itself projected for the green tech industry. This echoes Philip Lausberg's opinion that some 100 billion euros was needed to have a real impact on the EU green industry. On that, I also talked to one of his colleagues at the European Policy Centre, Georg Rikelis. 
He had worked with Philip on the topic and had also raised arguments for a more ambitious financial tool. I also asked for his first reaction on the announces. No, I, my first reaction is that there are uh, obviously good elements in what has been uh, put on the table, but that overall this is quite uh, underwhelming. Um, in, in many respects, it doesn't add up uh, to what one needs now in Europe uh, to to scale up our ambitions in um, in, in in climate tech uh, and in deep tech, uh, in all these areas uh, of uh, transitions, of transformations that are key now for for um, for Europe's um, uh, geoeconomic position and 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 future in industrial uh, industrial position so uh, this is a quite popular opinion but one must also bear in mind that the EU budget is limited the EU commission presented step on the 20th of June as part of the midterm review of the multiannual financial framework or the overall budget for 2021-2027 And this was the occasion for the President of the Commission to ask member states to inject some additional 65 billion euros into the budget. The explanation is that the amount that was initially planned for the whole period has already been allocated to various items, meaning there's no more money for new projects without a review. So we are in a completely different world compared to 2020, when the MFF we're discussing today was negotiated. Of course, this also shows in our budget, this world of multiple crises. The 10 billion euros for STEP is part of that 65 billion increase. The rest of the money would go mainly for migration management and aid for Ukraine. So many complain that 10 billion is not much, as we have heard, but it must be seen in this context. The Commission already needs to convince the 27 member states to approve this 65 billion top-up. And this will not be an easy task. Countries such as Sweden, the Netherlands, Denmark, Austria, France or Germany have already shown reluctance to inject new funds into the budget. The Germans, for instance, would rather play the solo game when it comes to supporting industrial projects. Berlin recently announced that it plans to distribute up to 50 billion euros at national level to help its industry decarbonize. This is where STEP is supposed to play an important role, distributing EU-wide money and preventing that Only countries with a lot of fiscal leeway, such as Germany, support their industry. This is crucial for many. I talked to senior economist Sander Tordoir from the London-based think tank European Centre for Reform to understand the potential impacts of one or the other option. Why is this so important to concentrate the support to the industry at the continent level? The Europe's green tech uh, ex expertise and its success in green tech is not one country. It's It's sort of the combination of Central European countries that seem to be very good at it. So there seems to be a value chain uh, which is underpinned by the open borders and the sort of integrated nature of the single market. And so you, mm. would, you would destroy that or harm that with subsidies if there's too much inequality between countries. Experts, but also MEPs, tend to agree on the need for an EU-wide scheme instead of fragmented national state aid. But what are the solutions to unleash more money than what is currently proposed, while taking into account the limited EU budget? I think you could have been much more uh, ambitious in redeploying, if you want, in taking unspent money, uh, thinking how you could use uh, the loan capacity of the RRF. But uh, in the end, I think the Commission and member states didn't want to go there. I can imagine that there are a number of the main beneficiary countries of the RF that say, no, no, you're not touching 
what has been pointed towards us or or been allocated in a way towards us. Let me maybe precise that the RRF that Georg talks about is the Recovery and Resilience Facility. This is the big package of loans and grants directed at member states to recover after COVID-19. So, and of course, it's a much more complicated discussion. So if you're not willing to have that tough discussion with, with the net contributors, if you want, or, or they, you can't, and you're not willing to have a tough uh, discussion with the rest of uh, the member states regarding more active use uh, and redeployment of current pools, well, it's true. Well, then you end up with 10 billion uh, to, to, to use and, and to spend. Uh, and, and that is... Uh, is rather poor in a way. At this stage, it seems unlikely that more money will be made available. Like Georg Rikelis, some member states such as France, Germany and the Scandinavians suggest to better redeploy money instead of injecting more. But even the current mid-term review proposal is at risk. On all matters related to the EU budget, the Council, that is to say the 27 member states, has to approve decisions by unanimity. And there is already a big obstacle to that. Hungary and Poland have already said that they would block any approval of the budget until they receive the money from the EU's recovery money. The Commission is indeed blocking those funds for both countries in response to breaches of the rule of law. Therefore, Hungary and Warsaw's position would block the approval process, which is expected to be passed before the end of this year. As for the European Parliament, it will also have to approve the midterm budget revision, but it's not able to propose any change here. So far, members of the European Parliament have shown more enthusiasm than their governments to expand the EU budget. Listen, for instance, to Margarida Marquez, who is co-reporter on the budget review. Our first reaction is that the Commission had listened to a Parliament uh, call. And it's why we warmly welcome the fact that the Commission has proposed change to MFF with more money in places where it is needed. But in the end, the European Parliament's say is limited and it will be a member state's decision to increase the budget or not. This was more or less the debates and challenges that surround the EU funds for industrial projects. I hope to come back to you on this to follow up and see what is finally decided. A bientôt!